We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. As always, my name is Steven, and I am your host. And joining me today is a very special guest, a return guest, Mr. Sam Monson, who covers the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Sam, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join me this morning. How are you doing? No problem. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I guess it's afternoon for you. Morning here in California, uh, <laughs> Eastern time afternoon for you. But um, we're here to talk about Sam's uh, quarterback rankings first and foremost. Uh, if you missed those articles, definitely go back and check them out, and we'll dive into some of his thoughts there. And then we'll just get some casual thoughts on on the Chargers because I know he's been a big fan of the Chargers offseason as well. Um, Sam, just first and foremost, in terms of your quarterback rankings, how did you go about um, you know ranking these guys? How did you go about like what was the thought process and you know kind of behind the scenes with these rankings? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to lean on some PFF data points and some uh, grading as a general kind of foundation piece and concept. But I always try and look at a multi-year snapshot when we're talking about any kind of off-season rankings and sort of look-ahead rankings. And I think that's a lot of the times where you get some of the most immediate pushback. So the biggest complaints from the list so far have been, you know, Jalen Hurts is seventh. Um, in a year where Jalen Hurts is coming off, you know, top two, three, four, somewhere in that range kind of season was pushing uh, MVP conversations with Patrick Mahomes. You're like, yeah, but we've seen more than one year of Jalen Hurts and we see more than one year from all these other guys as well. So mm -hmm. the players ahead of him on the list are either MVPs, Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, or, you know, Joe Burrow, um, Josh Allen, guys like that who are clearly at that kind of level, you know, and, and it's difficult to say that as good as Jalen Hurts was last year, he will definitely be at that level again going into next season. So I, I think it's it's sort of keeping the foundation of he's, there are the, these are the things we like to look at to evaluate quarterback play and then expanding the time frame that you're looking at and 
coming up with your own kind of subjective um, adjustments in terms of, you know, how much to weigh last year, how much to weigh right. two years ago, depending on the individual player we're talking about. Did you, you know, you mentioned Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, I mean, Josh Allen as well, guys who are premier rushing quarterbacks as well. Did that weigh very much into the process for you? Was that kind of a tiebreaker at certain points? How much did you value the, the on the ground production for these guys? Yeah, I think it's sometimes uh, a tiebreaker. So I, I use it as a kind of tiebreaker for Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow, for example. Um, mm. Not that you necessarily always lean on the guy that has that extra dimension of rushing ability, but when two guys are that close together, there are periods where you know there's a got to have it play, and Josh Allen is basically impossible to defend because he can complete a pass, he can run over a linebacker, he can run around a DB, whatever it is, he can make a play that just isn't necessarily on the table to a guy like Joe Burrow as good as he is as a passing quarterback and a threat like that. So to me, it's generally used as a tiebreaker, but obviously when you're talking about players like Lamar Jackson, um, you know, or, or Justin Fields or even a Jalen hurts, mm. it's part of their whole dynamic, right? You, you can't sort of ignore it as a, as a part of what makes them the quarterback that they are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's definitely a, a great point there. I'm curious to get your thoughts just in that regard, because we've now seen big deals for Jalen Hurts, big deals for Lamar Jackson. Is that something you think that those teams might kind of take some of that uh, pressure off of their plates because of those contracts? Yeah, I think that's a, a difficult kind of decision that all teams have to deal with. And we've heard Josh Allen talk a little bit about it generally from a sort of personal point of view from his own point of view that you know his first few years in the league he needed to lean on that athleticism and that physicality right. and, and the the rushing ability but he knows if he's gonna last in the league for 15 years or whatever he's gonna have to change like he's not going to be able to play that way for the entirety of his nfl career he's going to have to adjust the way he plays the game and I think that's uh, a very difficult balancing act for everybody, for both the individual player and for the team of this rushing ability and, and these sort of athletic gifts are what makes this guy a special player right now. But it, it inevitably changes the durability and the, you know, the, the duration that that guy can last in the NFL. You, you can't have a Tom Brady type of career, you know, 20 years or whatever, if you're going to play like Lamar Jackson, it's just not going to work. You're, you're going to reach a point where you can't do that stuff anymore, or you can't do it as well as you used to. And if you're not willing and, and ready to adjust, then your career basically ends there. You know, you stop being the player that you used to be. So um, both teams are going to have to figure out how do we balance that going forward? How much do we tap into this sort of incredibly valuable part of the guy's skill set? Um, or how much do we now try and protect him and extend his career and create longevity and um, potentially steer away from what can get the guy hurt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're in terms of like quarterback rankings, we've gradually, you know, the old uh, regime has gradually started to to retire. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is really kind of the last guy standing here. What are you buying in terms of Aaron and the Jets and, and his, you know, standing in the AFC? Because obviously there's, we're talking about best quarterbacks in the league, and it's the majority of the AFC quarterbacks. So where are you at with Aaron as he kind of makes this transition to New York? 
Well, we're only, you know, a year or so removed from him being back-to-back -back MVP in the NFL. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to sort of start off and level set and say it's not a long time um, before or between the time where this guy was seen as essentially the best quarterback in the league for the last couple of years. Sure. Um, and in the intermediate time, it's not like we've seen him hit a wall physically. You know, we, we haven't seen what we saw with Peyton Manning where visibly he just he just drove over a cliff physically and could no longer yeah. make the throws he, he used to make and all those kinds of things there's no evidence right now that aaron Rodgers is physically declining he looks the same as he's ever looked if not better um so that part i don't think is an issue um and i think when you look at green bay last season we kind of predicted that kind of decline coming um it it fits almost exactly from a pff grading standpoint with the last time he went into a season without any kind of number one wide receiver back in 2015 when Jordy Nelson got injured before the season and his PFF grade dropped from 90 the year before and 90 the year after to like 75 in the year where he didn't have a number one wide receiver. Almost the exact numbers that we saw the, the last year where his, his grade dropped from above 90 to 77, something like that, last season. So the pattern Matt, you know, fits in terms of what we would have expected to see just because of the lack of quality receivers surrounding Rodgers last year. Now you go to the Jets. The system should be familiar in terms of Nathaniel Hackett, whether it's something Hackett wants to run or, or just turning the keys over to Rodgers and saying, you know, tell us what the offense is, Aaron. We're here to make you happy. Right. And then in, in terms of receivers, you've got Garrett Wilson, who should be a significant upgrade over anybody that they had last year in Green Bay. To me, the only real question is how long will it take Wilson and Rodgers to develop that kind of telepathic chemistry so that Rodgers is comfortable putting the ball in the air just on spec, you know, that he knows Wilson will be there for the back shoulder throw he wants to put in the air or that he understands the adjustments they, they want to make. That, I think, is a kind of underrated and under-talked about element of the receivers around him falling apart. It's not necessarily that the guys he had last year were bad. It's that they just had no kind of built-in rapport with Rodgers um, to, to let him do a lot of what he does uh, when he's at his best. So if Wilson and Rodgers can develop that quickly, then I think he's absolutely going to be amongst the better quarterbacks in the league again this year. If it takes a bit more time, then then he probably is overranked in this list and, and would be sort of lower down next year just based off that being such a big part of his game. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a fair assessment. And, you know, he is at OTAs this year, which is I can't remember the last time he was at OTAs in Green Bay. I feel like it, it was a long time ago. Um, obviously, you know, this is a Chargers podcast. So uh, let's get to your Justin Herbert ranking. You had him at fourth on the list overall. Um, I look at the comments in that thread and it's a bunch of like, well, he hasn't won anything. Uh, he was bad last year. Never a mention of the rib injury or the shoulder injury or anything right. like that. Um, where are you at with Justin Herbert heading into his fourth season? Yeah. And I think, I mean, the rib injury is huge. You know, you have to factor that into any analysis over his season. And it wasn't yeah. just, you know, bruised ribs or anything. Like he tore cartilage in your ribs, which I've never done personally, but sounds like it would be a Very horrendous painful. thing to have to deal with in any position in the NFL, let alone with 300 pound guys hitting you and, you know, driving you into the turf every now and again. So it has to be a big part of any analysis you're, you're factoring into his season. But I think we've seen the talent level is there for Herbert. Now, 
where I think there is a question is, you know, there has been this feeling that as incredibly gifted as he is, there's, there's missing 10% somewhere, you know, there's, we haven't quite seen what he's capable of on a consistent basis. We see it every now and again with an incredible throw that, you know, only he and a couple of other guys can make, but he doesn't hit the same level as consistently as guys like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And I think after the last couple of years, there's a question as to where the responsibility for that lies. Was it the coaching or is it a little bit of Justin Herbert that skews towards that slightly conservative end of the spectrum overall? This year, I think we're going to get that question answered because that's Kellen Moore's job, right? He's been brought yeah. in as a guy with, with good experience of maximizing talent and a good offensive mind to say, get it, get the best out of Justin Herbert that's there. And then we can figure out what we need to do going forward, you know, whether or not this is him or whether there is more to actually come from Justin Herbert. So I tend to think that most of it has been coaching, but there's probably a little bit of a percentage that is Herbert um, tending towards that kind of slightly more conservative end than you would expect a guy with his skill set to to lean towards. But I do think we'll see an improvement from him um, overall in those kind of tendencies this season with Kellen Moore as the offensive mind. And then, as you say, simply not having torn cartilage in his ribs should see his production and his overall level jump up as well. Yeah, I, I do think uh, some of it is is just like his personality. And right. you know, Keenan Allen has, has talked about this and Austin Eckler has talked about this. He like he hasn't figured out that he's the guy, right? Like there's no question that, you know, uh, some of the, the stuff that makes Burrow and Mahomes and all these guys great is they, they know that they are the guy. But for whatever reason, you know, Justin still feels like, oh, this is, Derwin's team this is Keenan's team you know this isn't like my team yet my offense yet and I think that is a fair I don't want to say criticism but fair assessment of of where he's at just like personality right leadership and it's, wise it's not inherently a bad thing like his biggest right. problem right now is that he has led the NFL for two years in having the lowest rate of turnover worthy plays right so the biggest yeah. flaw he has right now is he's too careful with the ball which is yeah. way better than being on the other end of the spectrum. Which is, you know, <laughs> your biggest problem is you're right. just firing the ball to the defense every five seconds. Like that, that can happen. So, but a guy with his talent, a guy with his arm, a guy with his ability to make plays, you know, that fourth and nine play or whatever it was against the Raiders in that sort of do or die playoff, yeah, yeah. win and in type of game, a guy that can make that throw should not have the lowest turnover worthy play rate in the NFL for two consecutive years. He simply should be taking more chances than that. And yeah, some of them will be bad. Some of them will result in a negative play and that's problematic. But the point is that the overall net of that will be a positive, you know, yeah. even if his turnover worthy play rate goes up and those are bringing negative plays into the equation that aren't there right now, the net gain from the positive plays that he will be adding in order to make those mistakes will make him a better player and make the offense a better system. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree there. I think last year in particular, you really saw that uh, careful nature come out because, you know, Keenan Allen was hurt. Mike Williams was hurt. He was hurt. Right. And there were games where he would like flat out just go option one to check down. You know, whoever's read, then it's Austin Eckler check down, you know, going one to four essentially. So, I think with, you know, healthier himself, healthier weapons, Kellamore, you know, being a little bit more aggressive should bring the best out of him in that regard too.
Yeah, and you're right. That's another element is his receivers were injured, right? So you're probably mm -hmm. going to skew towards, you know, being a little bit more careful, checking it down more often. These are all things that are going to hurt your numbers, but not, they don't make you a worse player, you know? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more there. Um, where where did you land on their decision to pick Quentin Johnson? Because I think a lot of people kind of assumed that they would pick a tight end, maybe a defensive lineman. Not a lot of there was not a lot of like Quentin Johnston connection between right. them and the Chargers leading up to it. Uh, what do you make of that addition to the room? Yeah, there weren't a lot of people making that connection, but it does make a lot of sense. I think it's a it's a fit that that's good. I I didn't love Quentin Johnston as a player. Um, my initial, you know, I, I kind of come to the draft process late um i'm not the, one of the people that's kind of watching college football all the way through the season has these these takes on these guys from day one we get through with the nfl season then i start my draft work so i kind of come to quentin johnson tape when mike renner at pff has already kind of set the the provisional board and he's the number one receiver on it and my initial reaction was really like quentin johnson's your number one receiver are you sure um but the more you kind of watch the draft class and you're like, okay, this is not a great draft class of number one type receivers. You could only drop him so far before you said, all right, the things that he is good at are valuable and important enough that you have to have him ranked reasonably high in this class. So Addison, Jordan Addison was my number one receiver in this class. I think I would probably have Jackson Smith and Jigba's too, just for the, the kind of floor that I think he brings and the potential ceiling as well. That's under talked about, but Quentin Johnson, for all his flaws, can be a really devastating big play threat in any offense. And I think the less you need him to do right away, the more of an impact he can make. You know, if you're willing to go out there and say, we're only going to ask you to do the things you do well in year one, and we'll figure out how much better you can get at the rest of it down the line, then I think he can have that kind of DK Metcalf type of career arc where his, he's running a very limited route tree, you know, year one. But those things are effective and they're valuable and you can't, you have to defend them as a defense. Um, but if, you know, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen or both of them get injured and all of a sudden you need more from Quentin Johnson, he needs to step in and have a much bigger part of the offense. Then I think you might see some problems because he's not very good at the things that you typically associate players of his size and dimensions and ball and sort of skills to be good at. Um, he's not a very good contested catch guy. He's not even, even if you don't think of it as contested catches, I don't think he's particularly good with the ball in the air, um, which is not usually something you would associate for a guy with his size advantage over yeah. DBs, but he's got great long speed. The thing that he does best in the world is, you know, catch a hitch, turn up field instantly and immediately break the angles of DBs that are closing in to tackle him and turn you know, a 12 yard gain into a 25 yard gain. And these are all things that play right away. And we know that sort of contested catch rate and, and they're very noisy and they're, they don't, they fluctuate wildly year to year. So even though he's consistently been pretty bad at that in his college career, doesn't mean that he can't get good at it down the road and, and turn it into a strength. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, uh, a lot of Chargers fans were comparing him to Mike Williams throughout the whole draft process. And it's like, no, 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 no. They're very different players. Yeah. Um, after he was drafted, he was asked by one of the reporters, like, what are your, what are your favorite routes to run? And he said like digs and hitches because he wants to run after the catch. Like that's what he wants to do. So I think you lean into that and you can have a successful rookie season. 
No, absolutely. I agree. I think that's where he should be good. And then we don't know what his ceiling is. You know, he's been not great at a couple of things, but those are things you can work on, particularly if you've got the runway of being able to be used in the offense for, you know, a year or two, just doing the things you do well. Yeah. 100%. Uh, well, Sam, this has been awesome, man. So much great insight. Uh, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, where can Charger fans go find your work and what do you have kind of coming up, uh, up in the couple of weeks ahead of us? Yeah, the PFF NFL podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts, YouTube as well. That's the, the place to go for me and Steve breaking down uh, every team in the NFL. There we go. Appreciate it. Chargers fans, definitely uh, go check them out. Can't recommend their work enough, especially Sam doing some great work over there. And uh, like I said, make sure to go check out that quarterback ranking article. Sam, thanks so much for joining us, man. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. No problem. Thanks for having me.